0: We are gonna continue in Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open that. Uh, Mark chapter 12 is where we're gonna be at. Many years ago, Ronald Reagan was president, and some of you young people are like, who's that? Um, But Ronald Reagan was the president, and a little boy really, really, really wanted $50 uh, for Christmas, and so he decided to sit down and write God a letter. And he said, you know, dear God, for Christmas this year, I would really love to have a $50 bill. And so he took it to the mailbox, he dropped it off, in the postmaster, he saw this letter, and he didn't know what to do with it. So it was letter, dear God, so he decided to send it to the White House. And Ronald Reagan, he saw it, and he was so amused when he opened the letter, he saw what the young boy had had written, so he decided to, to have a $5 bill put inside of the envelope, and he mailed it back to this young boy. And the young boy, he opened it up, and he saw the $5. He was excited that he received $5, but he sat down and he wrote a letter back, and he said, Dear God, thank you so much for the $5 gift but I see that it was sent through Washington, D.C., and as usual, they kept most of it. <laughs> so today, today we're going to address one of the, one of the mo- m- most well-known questions that Jesus has ever been asked. One in which tells us what we owe to God and then what we owe to the government as well. Last week, um, we've been studying for, for quite a while now as we've been going through the gospel of Mark, we've been seeing Jesus is on that forward momentum. He is always in motion, moving forward. He never is sitting still. He's always moving through. As I've looked, I've told you this, as I read through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, my favorite one is Mark because I truly believe that Mark was ADD. Because if you read through it, and Jesus went here, and then Jesus left, and then Jesus did this, and then Jesus did, and and, and it's also the shortest one. 16 chapters is all we get. Matthew, we get 28. And we're like, why is it so long? You know, I love Mark because he's concise, and he gets through to the point every single time. And so we've come to the gospel of Mark in chapter 12, and we're now in the final week of Jesus' life. And so he has been teaching, he has been preaching, he has really just been laying it all out there. Last week, as we talked about uh, the powerful parable and the explosive application to the Jewish leaders, we we see Jesus focused on God's goodness, God's grace, and his glory. And he was very pointed to let the the leaders of uh, Israel know that judgment was coming. And so now... As You can imagine these guys. They didn't appreciate that very much These religious leaders being called out and saying that judgment was going to come on them We go to mark chapter 12 verse 12. This is what we read And they were seeking to arrest him but feared the people they were very angry that Jesus has just preached this parable against them and they perceived that it was against them so they left and went away they couldn't arrest him on this point point. So they regrouped and they came up with another plan. Look at Mark chapter 12, verse 13. And they, sent some, and they sent him, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians, to trap him in his talk. So now, they no doubt selected these Pharisees and these Herodians because they were shrewd. The word to trap means to ensnare. That of catching a bird or a wild beast in a net. Instead of a frontal attack, they've decided, okay, we've come at Jesus head on. So now we're going to try to ensnare him from all of these other ways around. Matthew chapter 22, verse 15, mentions that they plotted how they can entangle him in his words. Did you know that they are still adding to the dictionary today? Did you know that you can find new words Every single year, they add new words to the dictionary, and then they even redefine certain words. One of the words that, that I love, that they kind of redefined a little bit, was the word troll. Now when we think, especially if you're older, if you think of troll, what do you think of? Doll. Doll? Yeah, the dolls, there you go, okay, what else? <clears throat> <laughs> so I'm getting to that one in a second, so hold on, <clears throat> S- living underneath of, of, of the bridge, Scandinavia yeah absolutely like that's what a lot of us think of but so they've now changed it from a noun to a verb so we're not nouns we're verbs okay and and that's what we truly are and it means to antagonize others online by deliberately posting inflammatory irrelevant or offensive comments or other disruptive content I, I don't know about you but there are certain times at certain times of the year that I love to troll certain people Okay, and then there's others that are sitting in the second row that love to troll me right back. Alabama people, I'll tell you. So, it's not really trolling if it's true, though, right? That's right. So, and yeah, so we used to have a rivalry with Michigan, but that's no longer rivalry, and it's really, I guess, not we beat you guys once. So, yeah, um, it's not really a rivalry on that side either. But anyways... Trolling is something that has become, and so if we could really go to these Herodians, if we could go to these Pharisees, they would be known as trolls today, okay, because they're going to troll Jesus. They're going to find a way to trap Jesus, to ensnare him, to find some way in to get him. So let's read Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, teacher, I love this, the, the flattery that's happening. Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Now, they, they've, they've tried to smooth talk his way in, their way in here. Now he says this, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we Not. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they, brought, and they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So, when we read this, if we jump to a parallel section, Luke chapter 20, verse 21, it refers to this select group of, of Pharisees and Herodians as spies. So the, the Pharisees and the Herodians, they represented the opposite ends of the spectrum in the Jewish culture. So they were they were competing against one another. We we see that a lot in our in our culture, and especially here in America today. We have polarizing vitriol views on either side whether that be um, the political climate whether that be competing news channels and they talk about one another whether that be in in sporting or whatever it is but then they can always find a way to come together so when we break these two groups down the Herodians and the Pharisees the Herodians they were secular the Pharisees were spiritual the Herodians were all about the government the the Pharisees were all about God The Herodians were pro-Herod and his rule. The Pharisees were anti-Herod. The Herodians were pro-tax. The Pharisees were anti-tax. However, the Herodians hated Jesus. The Pharisees hated Jesus. While they had opposite agendas and political platforms, the bottom line is that the Herodians feared Jesus. They feared that he would undermine the rule of Herod. The Pharisees, on the other hand, worried that he would upstage their religion. The Pharisees are are ready to accuse him of heresy. The Herodians can't wait to charge him with treason. But now, these two dissimilar groups, they come together to take out a common enemy. What's that ultimate saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And that's exactly what we see happening Right here, these two groups that absolutely despised Jesus set everything else aside so they can attack Jesus and bring him down. I'm reminded of Psalm chapter 2, verse 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. They begin by using flattery, a psychological trick, to soften up the Savior. They're living out Psalm 140 verse 5 that says, the arrogant have hidden a trap for me. So these spies, they come with the respectful title. What do they say? They say, teacher. And they affirm his integrity. We know that um, you are true. That's what they say. We know that you are true. In addition, they, they recognize that he doesn't really consult the polls. He doesn't go out and see what's happening in the political climate and then make his decision on anything else, and and, and they notice that, and they say, and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. What I love about this is everything that they've said about Jesus is absolutely true. They don't believe a word of it, though. They say it because they want to get in on Jesus' good side, However, they do not believe one single bit of it. They identify him as one who truly teaches the ways of God. They knew he taught the way of God, but they wouldn't submit to it at all. Sounds, again, a lot like the country and the world that we live in today. We know what God's word says. We can can all quote the Ten Commandments, or it's out there for a lot of people to know. A lot of people can, can quote you at least one Bible verse, John 3, 16, at least they can get some of it out, or at least they can reference it, but they're not submitting to the power and the authority that's behind it. And that is truly the power that we see happening in our world today, and what was happening back then as well. So thinking they have Jesus right where they want him, these political power players, they craft a question they believe that will truly quander Jesus. Look at the end of verse 14. It's two questions, actually. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? So this was the question of the day. They wanted Jesus to answer so then they could absolutely attack Jesus and they could say, gotcha. We have you right where we want you. The, the question is designed to, to solicit a yes or a no answer. Don't you hate that? You ask your children, yes or no, and they want to give you some long explanation. Answer: No, no, no. Yes or no? Did you break Dad's coffee cup? Well, see, what I was doing was was he asked me to go out to the truck, and, and while I was getting it, I, I um, well, and then um, I got it out, and the dog ran by me, and, and then he tripped me, and, and so I fell, but I didn't do it what? Now, that's not my kids, because I break all my own coffee cups, okay? So, like, two or three a year, I drop, break at some point or another. But you see what, y- you know what's happening in those. Justin, go turn these off, please. They're driving me insane. Go turn them off. So, sorry. Lights are going off, so we'll still have, not every light, okay? So, we're still going to have the main lights, but these side ones are going to go off. Um, the, the topic of taxes is volatile, isn't it? I mean, it never seems to leave our political landscape. Taxes are always in the news. They're making national headlines all the time. Tax reform, always making national headlines. The Israelites, during the time of Jesus, they resisted paying taxes because taxes were a reminder that they were underneath of Roman power and control. And they didn't want any of that. Now, if we break these taxes down, income tax was 1%. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, okay. So income tax was 1%. Then they had a grain tax, uh, the ground tax. It was 10% on grain and 20% of oil and wine. Then they had a business tax. These were things that were going to be imported from different cities, different regions. And this was a tax that was collected Levi, Matthew. This is what he did for a living. And then there was the poll tax. It was a one day's wage, a denarius. And just a side note of this poll tax we have this happening back in at the very beginning of of the gospels it was the way that joseph and mary ended up going to bethlehem for jesus to be born where he was supposed to because they asked caesar asked for this tax this poll tax to be given i mean it really is difficult to pay taxes when you disagree with how they're being used and and i'm not going to get into all of that this morning but we can all agree with the israelites if you don't agree with something you don't really want to pay it no matter what landscape you're in we're always going to disagree with it Warren Wiersbe summarized what's going on here he says if Jesus opposed the tax he would be in trouble with Rome if he approved the tax he would be in trouble with the Jews depending on how he answered either the Herodians would have him arrested or the Pharisees would finally have the evidence that they needed this whole time so which one would it be Which way is Jesus going to choose? Instead of going to one side or the other, to the left or to the right, Jesus goes straight up like he does with everything else, right? He just lifts it to a whole nother plane. These enemies start out flattering Jesus, and then uh, he flattens them. Jesus sees right through the, the phoniness of the Pharisees. He sees right through the hatred of the Herodians. I imagine them high-fiving one another because at this point, they have Jesus right where they want him, right? Like he's trapped. He has no way out. It's one way or the other. (laughs) Look at verse 15. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. In Luke chapter 20, verse 23, it says that Jesus knew their craftiness. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 18, it describes how Jesus knew their wickedness. I mean, these these guys were slick. These spies were, were shrewd. They knew how to find a way to trap Jesus right where they wanted him. But before they can say anything, Jesus asked them for a coin. It's the very coin that these taxes would be paid with. And I picture them searching their robes in their pockets like, hey, do you, do you have a coin? Do you have a coin? How many of you go to Aldi's and you're always looking for that quarter? Yeah, like my, my mother-in-law, she always leaves a quarter in the car and she says, if you get in that car, don't you dare take my Aldi quarter. Like, no, do not take it. But I can see them looking around for one, and then finally they, they find a coin, and, 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 and they flip it to Jesus, and now Jesus has it right in front of him, And he's like, they're all standing around going, what's his intentions? What, why is Jesus doing all of this? And then Jesus holds up the denarius that was used to pay the poll tax. Now, it's minted in Rome, right? It's made out of silver, so it does have value behind it. Now, coins were used not just to pay money, but they were also used for propaganda as well. On the head side, that is where the picture of the emperor would be. And the inscription was, Tiberius Caesar, Augustus son of the divine Augustus. On the tail side of this very coin, a female figure is seated on a throne wearing a crown and the words, high priest. So this coin was, in fact, a portable, idol-propagating pagan ideology. Rage in all of the Jewish people. And I think of a few reasons that Jesus would use this coin. It would be like me today saying, hey, does anybody got a $100 bill? No, really, does anybody have a $100 bill? No. <laughs> the teaching was very personal at this point. Because now they were engaged because they had to reach into their pockets. They had to try to find one of these coins. And then Jesus is now moving the the discussion from public to let's really get down to what is personally happening. What is your personal principle in all of this? With everyone looking to Jesus and the coin, this is what Jesus says. Look at verse 16. Whose likeness in and inscription is on this? I mean, the answer is obvious. It's right in front of them. And so they're able to answer rather quickly. The tables at this point have completely turned because now they have to answer Jesus' question. They said to him, Caesar's. Again, I love how Jesus drives his point home. Look at verse 17. Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Now to render means to give back what is rightfully not yours. To deliver or to return. To pay back in full. To render means to pay back In full. What Jesus was saying is these taxes, they were not optional. Instead, these taxes were an obligation. Caesar is due the denarius because he owns the denarius. So let's dig in. Let's just linger over this section of scripture for, for just a moment when we look at verse 17. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar what is caesars so let's just start right there what is our responsibilities to the government what is our responsibility to the government I, I i see three obligations that we have to the government number one obey the government you sure travis yes scripture lays it right out for us this is what we read romans chapter 13 paul says this let every person be subject to the gover- governing authorities for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been in, in, instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Obey the government. If you're asking, you sure, Travis? You're, you're asking God, you sure, God? You're asking Jesus, you sure, Jesus. But it's laid right out here in front of us. We are called to obey the government because even though we may disagree with our leaders and the way that the whole system is set up, God has still ordained and instituted and allowed those rulers to be in the place that they're in. Our first one, you're already having trouble with. You're really going to have trouble with number two. Pay. Pay. Again, staying in Romans chapter 13, look at verses six and seven. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are are ministers of God attending to this very thing. And you're upset because we live in America and you're like, "Eh, I don't know. We get to kind of, we have the freedom of the democracy that we live in to have a lot of freedoms. But underneath of the Roman rule, especially when you were a province inside of the Roman government, you really didn't want to do this. You didn't want to obey, and you definitely didn't want to pay taxes, but Paul just lays it right out, and he says, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. We pay our taxes to the authorities because that is our obligation, even if we don't like it. We can express our our, our voice, We can get out there. If we don't like the way that a system is working in America, we have the freedom to vote. And so we need to get out there, and we need to vote. I'm not talking political parties. I'm not going to get into that. You choose for yourselves, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute. You choose for yourselves which way you go. And that's on you, and that's between you and God. And it doesn't need to be a debate between anyone else. And if you do debate it, remember who you are. You are God's chosen children. Debate it, don't argue it. Big difference. Please always remember that. It reminds me of the person who realized that he didn't pay enough taxes, so he sent an anonymous letter to the IRS. He says, my conscience is bothering me. In closed, you will find a check for $175, which I owe in taxes. If my conscience continues to bother me, I'll send the rest. <laughs> so obey, pay and number 3 pray pray again paul says in 1st timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 2 first of all then i urge you that supplications prayers and inter- intercessions and thanksgiving, thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life godly and dignified in every way so we have responsibilities to the governments we are called to obey the government. We are called to pay the government. And we are called to pray for the government. And then we look at our responsibilities to God. Now these are where it really digs in. Jesus could have stopped right there, right? He could have said, pay pay Caesar what is Caesar's. And he could have just stopped right there. He could have just stopped and silenced both sides at that exact moment. But he wasn't finished. Our responsibilities to the government and to God are not meant to be at odds. Please remember that. We learned this from Acts chapter 5, verse 29. So, Peter and John have healed a man, and they're going to be taken in. And when they're taken in, they're flogged and beaten, and they're brought before the council and said, Hey, you need to stop preaching and teaching what you're doing. You need to stop the healing. So, like all of that, cut it out. And Peter looks right at him, and he says, You do what you have to do. But in verse 29, he says, we must obey God rather than men. You do what you, if you need to beat us, if you need to, they were scared, again, they were scared to to, to try to find a way to kill Jesus because of the crowds. They were just as scared of the people even in this moment because they they knew the crowds were still there in Jerusalem on on Peter and John's side. And so Peter says, hey, you do what you have to do, but we will obey God rather than men. Always remember that. But they don't have to be at odds with one another. We have responsibilities as citizens of earth and responsibilities as citizens of heaven, and it's not either or, but both and. Always, always remember that. When I go to First Peter chapter 2, verse 17, we're just going to break down the end of the message with this section. I find it extremely helpful in this regard. Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 17 Honor everyone. Period. But no, no, no. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Period. Fear God. Period. Honor the emperor. Delete 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 take that one out. No, that's exactly what Peter says. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the empo- the emperor. So let's break it down. Let, let's just break each one of these down. Honor everyone. What's, what's that mean? There are so many issues that divide us right now as a country. Do you know it's possible to honor even if you disagree? Here's a newsflash. This includes what we post on social media. Well, as long as I honor them when I'm at church, it's okay. As long as I honor them in person, it's okay, but then I control whoever I want and I can cause all kinds of drama on social media. Absolutely not. When you type a message on any social media platform, there should be not just a send or post or anything else, there should be, are you sure? Click here if you're really sure. Click here if you're sure that you're sure that you're sure. If you're not sure, delete it all right now you know how many times I've done that? Too many to count. I'm going to text something. Oh, 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 that made me mad. And I'm going to... Never mind. Delete. It happens a lot. Because we have to honor everyone face-to-face. We need to honor everyone on social media platforms. Whatever it is, we need to bring that honor before them. To honor means to fix a high value upon... By esteeming or prizing them. Do we prize one another? Do we honor one another? Do we fix a high value on our brothers and sisters? And even those that disagree with us. Even those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How are they ever going to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior if we do not honor them? And that's what we have to remember. So honor everyone. Number two... Love the brotherhood. We have an even higher obligation to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. This word for love the brotherhood is agape. It means even when you don't feel like loving, go ahead and love anyways. The word brotherhood means those born from the same womb. This means we're to love our brothers and sisters even if they vote differently than we do. It means that we're to to love them To honor them, even if they like different music than we do. If they want to bring back hymns and we want to sing modern songs in the church. Whether we we like the lights on or we like the lights off, or dim or low, or there's stains on the carpet and we should replace it, or whether the coffee's hot or it's weak or it's cold, we should love one another. You know, all of those things that I talked about, I've seen churches divide over. (laughs) You know, there's a church, right? There's a church in Virginia that's actually suing one another inside the church. I'm pretty sure there's a scripture that talks about that. It saddens my heart when I see Christians acting the way that they're acting today. Because we're not loving the brotherhood. We are not showing agape love. I don't care what, what, what you vote for. I don't care your political views. I don't care your music style. I don't care your, your skin tone. I don't care how much money you make. We are called to love one another. Amen. Period. That's what it says. Peter wrote with the gift of the Holy Spirit upon him. And he says, honor everyone, love everyone the brotherhood. And number three, fear God. You can sense the increasing intensity as we move from honoring all people to loving family family members to fearing God. To fear means to revere. Psalm 128 verse one says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You know, I love the fact that Jesus came to this earth and he was a human just like us. He went through every single thing that we went through. But too often, we just want to see Jesus as our buddy. We just want to see Jesus as a guy that we can go to a party with. We want to see Jesus as he's just gonna, he's gonna accept me for everything that I do. Like that's, that's the way that we see Jesus today. But we need to be very, very careful with that. We need to still have a healthy Fear of God the Father and the Son. Amen. We cannot, we cannot miss out on this one. Fear God. And so far these three were like, Yeah. Good with it, Travis. Honor the Emperor. Oh, I can't do that. Because today I uh, that, that guy that sits up in that that, that white building up north, um, mm mm mm. And I know some of you just a year ago, you were like, that guy sitting up in that white building, mm mm, mm nope, can't do it, can't, cannot honor the emperor, can't honor because he has no clothes on. Some of you got, wow, two people got that one. <laughs> it doesn't matter who's in the office because here's, here's, here's the thing, <laughs> do you know who the emperor was? When this was written, do you know what he was doing? He was killing Christians. He was throwing them to the lions. He was putting them inside of sheep's clothing, or they would skin a sheep. They would put it over and send it out into the wild. He was lighting his garden with Christians. And here Peter says, honor the emperor. No, I cannot, I will not. Peter, are you sure you meant that? And Peter says, absolutely, that's exactly what I meant. Let's go back. To Mark chapter 12, verse 17. For everyone who goes, well, uh, Peter and Paul, they were were humans, and so I really don't have to listen to them as much as I do Jesus. One, you're wrong. Um, Two, because they had the Holy Spirit upon them. This is what Jesus had to say. And to God, the things that are God's. Render to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. That are God's. We have a twofold debate, uh, we have a twofold debt uh, uh, made up of horizontal and vertical obligations. We break this down to two final points right here. The first one, we have a responsibility to God to live it out. How do we know what belongs to God? Well, plain and simply, we, you, are His image bearers all the way back in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 we read there that we're made in his image we are his image bearers so we have to live it out government takes a percentage of our taxes but God rightfully owns 100% of us he owns it all so we're just we're giving back to him what is rightfully his anyways God has a claim on His creation, and we can never forget that. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says, But God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. So we are called to live out for Him. And then that brings us to my final point. We're to give. I belong to Jesus I belong to God he owns me he owns you individually Psalm 24 verse 1 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and those who dwell therein everything belongs to him just as the government is owed taxes we owe God because he owns everything And he sent his son to die for us. So if he, we have to give everything back to him, our whole being. Now, listen, that doesn't mean that anything that we can do, we can never earn his salvation. We can never earn his love. We can never earn our own salvation. We have to give it before God. We're God's coinage we have been stamped with his image are you aware that the bible it includes about 500 verses on prayer and faith on giving on money over 2000 verses on money that means that how we manage our resources is critical to our relationship with god and you thought i was going to get through a whole message and not talk about giving or tithing right Just one moment. Just to speak of it for just a second. This isn't a sermon on giving, but I just briefly want to talk about the giving and the tithe. The 10% of the tithe, it's a good start. The guideline will help you move towards grace giving as taught in the New Testament to give out of the abundance of what we have. Here's a quick question, a good question to start with and to ponder. Does my giving... Reflect the grace of God in my life. I want you to check out the last part of of the phrase of verse 17. And they marveled at him. They started out by calling him good teacher. They started out by, by trying to praise him, but now they marveled at him. It's a very strong compound word, and it means struck with astonishment and admiration, or literally out of measure, they were in awe of what jesus has just said what we've seen in our study of mark's gospel that people had very strong reactions to jesus listeners were never passive when jesus spoke they were never bored when jesus spoke no one fell asleep when jesus spoke you were on one side or the other nobody walked away just kind of in the middle You either loved what Jesus had to say or you hated what Jesus had to say. There was no middle ground. People fought against him or they put their faith in him. The same is true today. You will reject him or you will receive him. There is no middle ground. You will either walk away from Jesus as knowing him as your savior or you will bend your knee. And you will say, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. That's it. In Luke chapter 20, verse 26, we read that they were not able to catch him, but marveling at his answer, they became silent. Matthew adds this, and they left him and went away. Please don't miss this. They were amazed. They were in awe. They marveled at how Jesus was able to answer. However, they went away. Just like the rich young ruler, when Jesus called him out, he went away sad. These religious people that knew who Jesus was, they knew the scriptures. They had the prophets right in front of him, yet they couldn't see it right before their eyes. Whatever you do, don't leave the same that you walked in this door today. Don't just listen and leave and go, that was good, Travis, good job. Let it sink in. Allow this work this week that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you to infiltrate your life. And if you're here this morning and you've never accepted him, I want you to know that you can make that choice today. To know him as your savior. If you're here today and and you just need prayer in your life, you need someone to talk to, a struggle, a sin, as I tell you every week, you don't have to come to me or to one of the elders. You have direct access to God. But if you need someone to talk to, we're here for you. We'll help you work through it however we possibly can. If you need to place your membership, today can be that day. We're going to take communion here in just a second. It's on the back two tables and on the side tables. If you haven't gotten it, you can go ahead and get that right now. And the final thought that I want to leave you with here this morning, have you rendered your life to Jesus? If you have, is there a struggle, a burden in your life that you need to lay before the throne of the cross? You can render that before Jesus as well. Whatever decision you have to make, I'm going to be in the back. Elders will be in the back with me. If you need someone to talk to, pray with, I'll, I'll be back there with you. We can meet during the week. You can email me, you can call me. but we're here for one another. We're gonna love the brotherhood and we're gonna fear God with every part of our being. Let's pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you for the strong words that he speaks. Father, it is truly a blessing to be able to serve you, to know that you gave your son for us. And Father, as we partake of communion, allow us to remember what you have sacrificed for us. You gave your one and only begotten Son. And Father, all we have been called to do is to accept that free gift. Father, if we're really struggling with the political climate in the world today, if we're struggling with a brother or sister today, that we will will go to them, we will seek them out, that we will love them on them that we will ask for forgiveness of one another that we will seek the forgiveness father that we will come together and that we will find the best way through all of this and we know that the best way through it is to serve you to find ways to belong to you and so father as we partake of communion as we continue our worship through praise lord i just ask that everything be uplifted before your throne We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. worshiping this morning as travis said if you have a decision to make don't uh, wait and hold back with that make sure you reach out he's in the back elders in the back